Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. If you would like to help Room 9, please visit their support page. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. Hey, 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 what is going on? Guess what? It's Monday, and you know what that means. Episode 61 of Room 9 is here, and this episode, I actually think this episode was probably the least amount I've ever talked because I enjoy just listening to this guy talk about his story, what he's up to, where he's come from, and his point of view of recovery is so aligned with mine that it was just awesome to hear him. And his name is Timothy Harriton. He is a co-founder at Public Speaker at Wide Wonder. He's a family addiction recovery mentor. He is a writer. He is most importantly a father, and I just really enjoyed his point of view of recovery. We really get into the conversation of giving space for somebody to find their own recovery and what works best for them. Whatever recovery means to them, it means to them and helping them as opposed to forcing a certain and specific form of recovery on them. So that's what we talk about. I hope you enjoy it. Get on over to room9podcast.com. I am actually almost done totally revamping that website. It will probably be out in the next few days, actually, I guess, depending on when you're listening to this. You could be listening to this in like 2022 and it's been out for many, many years. But anywho, get on over and uh, keep your eye out for that. Again, we are working here at Room 9 on developing a mental health channel where there's 8 to 15 minute episodes of people sharing their stories and how they've overcome, whether it's anxiety, depression, addiction, whatever it is. I want a story for everything. And that's what we are in the process of creating. So I'm really excited. If you'd like to be a part of that community, if you'd like to help support and help grow what we are doing with this mental health and addiction channel, please look for links reach out to me. We have a Patreon account. I'm going to be recording and posting all the behind the scenes. And I just want this whole entire process documented. And that's what we're going to do. So Patreon, Room 9 Podcast, go to room9podcast.com, reach out to me, first and last name at room9podcast.com. Find a way to get in touch with me, whether you can help out financially, whether you want your story sharing, whether you know somebody who has a story that you want told, any ways you can help, share it on social media, whatever it is. I want the whole entire Western New York and even the country to be a part of this community and we are building it and I'm super excited because if you Google the number one way to end stigma, sharing your story story is like the number one thing on every page and there's not enough of that going on. So enough of me yapping. Here is Timothy Harrington. Really hope you enjoyed this conversation and I will talk to you guys next week. Much love. Peace. website and um you got you got a lot going on yeah you know it's uh i guess it's the serial entrepreneur in me or just the entrepreneur in me it's there's always some new idea some new some new thing that inspires me and um i think you know i'm i'm the uh common denominator in all those things so it's it's they're all sort of an expression of uh, a value system so that's really the underlying current that sort of drives everything and and uh that's how the connective tissue exists. They may have different titles, but I really come at them from the same direction. If I'm dealing with somebody who is the person experiencing the addiction or the family system who is experiencing the addiction, there's a lot of similarities in how you address them because it's a real, it's a human thing. So that's really the, the connective tissue is just approaching it from a human behavior position, not necessarily from a, you know, a biased, you know, narrative, because I found that, that, that not everybody is going for my narrative <laughs> I mean, when they need help, you go figure. Right. So, so you get to be, you get to be, uh, you, you get to be thoughtful and considerate of others. So I consider myself more of a custodian of a process than somebody who 
gets to determine what your process is going to be. I, I really enjoy that uh, that role. Yeah, I always, you know, I, I kind of get into um, recovery coaching a little bit. It's something I kind of fell off and, you know, I went through the classes and was doing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I found I wanted to be more creative with what I did. But, yeah. um, you know, doing yeah. it, what I loved about it, and even like hosting a podcast like this, is that you kind of help shape the narrative and help that person find their own narrative. And that's exactly. that's like the magic of it. It's almost like a shaman of recovery or whatever you want to call it. But I love that part of it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And that just comes, for me, just came with just maturity, myself, my own, my own emotional maturity and emotional uh, development working with other people because you know that's the thing you know for years you know i, I believed in the, the narrative speaking of narratives uh, of self-reliance you know all these sort of i don't need you i don't need anybody i can do this myself and that was a very powerful narrative uh in my family and many many families of course um mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a macro narrative really um <laughs> uh, for sure but 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 yeah that was something to untangle for myself so that I could be uh, more effective with others. I had to do that. Yeah. And I, I, I do want to get a little bit in your story. I, I knew kind of mm-hmm. after talking with Kevin and just, you know, the few minutes of interactions I had with you online, I was like, I could probably yeah. talk to, talk to this guy for a long time about a lot of different things. And yeah, I have the yeah. tendency yeah. of sometimes, you know, hosting and obviously going back to hosting a podcast, I got to make sure I, I kind of stay on topic here a little bit. I yeah. do, I do like switching yeah. around, but. I do too. I'm not. I'm not really good at that. I'm sort of a, a very organic thinker. I, mm-hmm. I like to say, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So yeah, it's a. It's a. It's a sort of whoa. What's that? I mean, you know, that's let's explore that. That's interesting in the moment. So just go with it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I will. Get, I will yeah. get to your. You know, a little keep bit. Me, of your story. Keep me. Uh, keep me. <laughs> keep. Yeah. Keep me. I, I'm okay with being given direction. So whatever. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> no, but I will before you know we get into the deeper things because I'm sure that'll come. But just real quick, you know, why did you? How did you end up where you're at? You know, what drew you to addiction and you know mental health and all that stuff, and how you kind of got to where you're at. Doesn't got to be super long. Then we could have our our good talks. That sounds good. Do you want me to do that now? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I had a uh, <laughs> I had a childhood, and there were some experiences in childhood that, like everyone who has, we all have childhoods. So those experiences shaped who I was, my worldview, thoughts of myself. A lot of intense experiences happened to people between the ages of zero and seven. And during that period of time, this is the download time for for human beings. And we're sort of a blank hard drive and we're downloading all this stuff in the environment with our caretakers and things happen just the way it is. And we start to shape who we are. We're necessarily narcissistic. And so the world revolves around us and we think whatever happens to us, you know, is about us and is our fault. And that was certainly my experience with some intense experiences around family and family breakup and, 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 and stuff like that, that, that happens to a lot of people. I, I happen to come from a family who was already coping with their, their own experiences, their own, their own challenges with alcohol and with drugs. And so later on in my life, as I was processing those things that happened to me in early childhood, I developed a, a relationship, a love affair, I like to call it, with uh, with cocaine and vodka. And I was in that relationship intensely for about 16 years. And we broke up, we got back together, it was very tumultuous. <laughs> <laughs> but in the beginning, it was it was like, like love affairs are, it was very romantic. And mm-hmm. it was it was amazing. And, you know, I continued to be disappointed along the way as relationship as happens in relationships. But it, it came to the point where I was an I was an AA legacy. So the information coming to me was that I needed to go to this group and I did not want to go to that. In fact, I think one of the things that's important to my narrative is that it was I was rejecting wholly that process because I didn't want to be an addict or an alcoholic. I didn't want the label. I didn't want to be that, how I perceive that person or that, that identity or label to be. So I fought tooth and nail around that for, for a long time. And when the road got as narrow as it did, I mean, that's where I defaulted to as a legacy. And I went and that's where my life really took off. You know, a lot of the typical things happen to me in, in someone's story who is 
uh, in a relationship like that. I call them my drugs of solution. They weren't my problem. People always said I had a drug problem in my family. And I said, no, <laughs> no, not even close. You know, that's a big part of my narrative is drugs aren't the problem. They're the solution. And what are they a solution to? And let's get to the point why the pain, not why the addiction. And so that we can efficiently and effective move people along the continuum of struggling with emotional, physical pain, whatever it is, combination thereof, and, and really get to the point. And so that's, my, that's, that's what I went through, many iterations, including treatment, and then working in treatment. That's what happened to me. I mean, I was at the 16-year mark, I decided to take a break. I was 36 years old. I was necessarily starting to mature out of this relationship and working towards some sort of resolution where I could permanently break up. <laughs> Although I never knew I was going to. I mean, that's the thing, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I just, I just never knew that. And this is, uh, and sort of 19 years later, what I call uh, the discovery journey, not necessarily the recovery journey. I'm just an intensely curious person. And so it's just been a, as I identify it now, just this incredible journey of discovery of who I am, who I am in the world, what my place is in the world, what it means to me to be on this planet. You know, it's a very personal journey. I believe addiction is a personal experience and so is recovery. And I never felt like I could fit into anyone's box. You know, I felt like the process was like, here's a box, get in. And if you can't, too bad, you know, and I, and I just, I didn't feel that was correct. That didn't mm -hmm. resonate with me. I felt uh, it was just kind of more rejection, kind of like not accepting me on face value, but more or less trying to still shape me into something that I'm not. And I think that's a human story. I think that's certainly a Western culture story where we live in a uh, society of injected values and we don't respect. In fact, we, we try to get people to conform. Conformity is really important. And, and I get it. I get it why we do it. And it's part of my journey is understanding that, that human behavior thing and why conformity can be attractive. And, and certainly as a leadership style can be, can be something that people really uh, invest in. But, you know, that's just my temperament. I'm like, no, thank you. This doesn't seem right. I, you know, I got to figure this out, you know, and I, and my intense curiosity led me to discovering some people in my life who became my heroes, like William White, who is an incredible person and an incredible, uh, you know, leader in this, in the field of recovery, mainly because he believes that we, we, we invest like in my program, it's, very clear to me that when I work with people that 90% of our investment as far as our resources as people who are trying to help people who are experiencing addiction is we, we give 90% of the juice or the services and support to the person in treatment. That, that's who treatment is for. And then we give a little bit to family members and we call it even. Mm -hmm. it's, bad, it's really just bad math. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so my story, part of my story, which is important, is that I, I got a job in treatment about a year into my recovery slash discovery. And I eventually from there working in treatment as a, as a program tech, basically uh, mm -hmm. um, moving people around who were in treatment to their meetings and so on and so forth. And from there, I became a sober companion, um, which, is, which meant that I was in, sort of embedded in a person's life for a long period of time, uh, where they lived, what they did for a living. And I, I had this front row seat to what was necessarily the protagonist in this person's life, and those were his relationships. And if you're giving 90% of the juice to the person who is experiencing addiction with the drugs, um, their drugs of solution, and, and giving 10% to the family, if you're returning to that system, it's going to be very stressful. And, and I saw that, and I was a part of those conversations uh, from mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and lovers who would say, you know, it's this, it's that, you know, and they would they would explain to me what the real problem was. And I said, well, how come these things aren't getting more intensely dealt with in the treatment paradigm and in, in the recovery paradigm as with some equanimity, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean? And so that became something I became very passionate about, became my high value. And not coincidentally, I was also starting a family of my own. So, and I came from a family. So I'm exploring all of these dynamics and these systems. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm very clear that addiction doesn't come in bottles and cans and syringes and baggies and all this stuff. It comes in systems like families. And so that's our way in. That's our way out. It's not through the person. I always thought it very strange as I was working in treatment that we put the most amount of pressure on the person least likely to be able to handle it in terms of... <laughs> 
<laughs> turning everything around. Yeah, that is uh, that's that is very humorous. When you say when you say it like that, it makes it makes a ton of sense, and I love right? that. And I'm a big I'm a big fan of the, you know, it's uh, the lack of connection. It's the lack of meaning. It's you know what happened. What are you? What are you trying to escape from? What are you trying to hide? What are you trying to repress? So on and so forth. Yeah. Why? Why does anybody want to escape themselves for a couple hours? I mean, we should have a really beautiful conversation about that because they're, we're talking about the human condition. And I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like where we're at right now is we've we've lost, if we ever had it, the humanity of the person. We we, we organize ourselves very intensely around behavior and symptoms. And I think that's why we fail. I think that's why we, because those behaviors and symptoms are very challenging. We know that. Mm-hmm. They're dramatic. Of course, there's a spectrum, but, but they're challenging because the human experience is challenging because how we process these things, we're not, we're not educated from a very young age about uh, how to process emotion, how to process experience, how to, how, to have a, how, how to have a healthy relationship with one's actual living experience. And I always say, like, we need reading, writing, arithmetic, and relationship. We need to add another R in there so that we can get really, really, really serious about what are the major challenges of the human experience? Why are we always being challenged in relationship? Well, because we're collaborative in nature. We're social in nature. There used to be a point, I know you've talked with Kevin about this, and that is, is that we're, we function optimally in groups of about 150, max. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the way it used to be. And evolutionary from an evolutionary perspective, I feel like it, it's kind of like this. So here we are developing, here we are moving at a very quick pace, let's call it, exponential growth, both population-wise, both how uh, we uh, exist in the universe, this technology, you know, we, we, had, we had industrial revolution, we had agriculture, we had industrial, we have technology right? We have technological and we just, things have just moved at such a pace, but from a, from a human standpoint, from a way of processing these things, we're necessarily running on old software. And so this, this idea of updating our software is really from an emotional standpoint, because every day I'm, I'm, and especially now we're all experiencing this coronavirus. And so here is this, once again, this emotional whiplash has occurred. We're like, we're not prepared on a lot of different levels, as we're seeing, mm-hmm. we're dealing with change. And when it comes at you fast and furious like this at such a huge scale, it's asking even more of us that we're incapable of doing. And so pivoting is pivotal, but yet where is the skill and how to do that? Where is the skill in how to organize our thoughts? Where is the skill in terms of who do we align ourselves with? Where is the skill in terms of how do I just sit and process? I know there's a lot of information out there uh, in terms of how to do that, but I think it starts at a very much younger age if we're to be able to pivot in a more thoughtful and considerate way rather than in a very intense way, because that takes a time. It takes time to integrate, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So integrate, integration is, is a big part of, of healthy change, and we're not taught about integration. Again, going back to the dealing with addiction, we deal with behavior and symptoms, and that's not an integrative approach to dealing with somebody's human experience. It's very limited. It is. Have you ever heard of the author Ken Wilber? 100%. Okay, yeah, yeah. I love Ken. I have. It was probably when I was, obviously, you say integration, that's who I think of immediately. And he was... One of my original like influence. I remember being the the sports guy, sports, TV, football, beer. You know, that's what we're yeah. doing. You know, you're yeah. stereotypical man. You know, and <laughs> and for you know, I had I had an experience and when I was about 26 that flipped a switch and I yeah. became like just I I think I went two years before I ever watched television again at that moment on. And Spectrum of Consciousness was one of my first books I ever bought online from a used bookstore. And yeah, that was kind of kicked it off. And that just sent me down a a path, a crazy path. But I love, you know, his his work is is awesome. And Uh, I get the chills even thinking about it when you're mentioning the book and and mentioning his name. I get chills because it resonated with me so deeply. Mm hmm. But that's really yeah. what trained my brain to start thinking in everything. Like, it's not a simple black and white thing. It's you have yeah. to take pieces 
from everywhere and put them together because, and not to mention everybody's breadth of experience, every breath they take is different from ours. And so how do you, how do you adapt? How do you evolve with somebody when you're, and going back to the beginning, how you said is you can't ever push your narrative on somebody. You have to show them theirs and guide them through it. And I think that's something that is really missing in recovery. And I don't know if it's, you know, because I work with a lot of treatment providers, local ones, and mm-hmm. I'm close with the CEOs. I'm close with a lot of their employees. There's not one second that I ever think that these they don't have people's best interests and hearts. I know, obviously, you mm-hmm. have states and governments that are running regulations, and there's so much to be said. It's not yeah. that easy to be like, hey, let's start doing this. But, you know, I often wonder, like, I don't know if it's a lack of uh, resources. Like, why aren't we doing this, spending more time with people and getting to know their every nook and cranny of what they need in order to be successful. And there's family stuff. My family was participated in a lot of family stuff in my long-term rehab, but there's still, I mean, that's two days a week, maybe four hours tops. There's a lot of lack of all of that stuff there. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm not totally sure I was going with that, but it is yeah. just, it's, it's an, we need something to change. Yeah, it's a reality that, you know, I always think like I, I do a lot of reframing when I work with people to sort of draw some parallels between systems that they're used to being involved when, uh, with, and that includes work. People have worked for long periods of time, and so they've been parts of systems that function in a very, well, hopefully in a out of, not out of emotional flooding, but a very practical interpersonal approach to communication, right? So when you think about businesses and businesses are, exist in the long term, they're sustainable models for a lot of reasons, but one of them is that they get good at communication, then they struggle at communication, and then they bring in a consultant for communication. They spend a lot of money around this notion of how to communicate relational awareness, relational power, because that is how we function optimally. We function optimally when we are when we have an awareness of what it's like to be in relationship with another human being in a healthy way. That's what greases the wheel. That's what keeps us moving in a healthy way. So let's put it that way. So when you're in a closed system versus an open system, a closed system can function, function, not necessarily in a healthy way, but still continue to function over long periods of time without getting better results. In other words, this is the, it's kind of the old thing of like, this is just the way we've always done it. Yep, yep. So that's just the way we're always going to go. So if you're in a closed system, those things can go on for a long, long time. Um, and I feel like as an outlier, treatment and recovery has been that way necessarily for a very long time. So when you're talking about creating change, like an individual, I have to be open to that. You know, I have to sort of go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. I have to go from uh, protective and, uh, and, and closed to being open, right? It's sort of like, from a visual standpoint, it's like a person who is struggling with addiction is like this because they're protecting their vital organs, mainly their heart, because they're in pain. And this is where, this is where that all gets processed and lives in the body. And so I'm protecting this and I, my, 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 my fists are clenched. And I have this posture and this posture is very, very, we talk a lot about recovery. It's like, God, that was a lot of work. Well, this is the work. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and so after that, if we're lucky enough to get to a point where we can become teachable again, where we can become open again, then you'll see this sort of process starting, right? Where we're starting to unfurl. And this is also, you can see this in nature when you look at a flower, and so then you, you sort of go like this, and now I'm flowering, and now I'm opening, and here I am looking at the light of the sun, and I'm feeling this growth and this energy, right? I believe that that's really sort of the, the contract with somebody who is providing services for recovery. That's what I want for you, right? Well, I should want that for myself as a system, because I think that's the future in terms of healthy growth around delivering services for people who are experiencing addiction and, and then going into the recovery discovery process. Does that make sense? Absolutely does. No, and I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. You know, and again, I know there's a lot of between, especially in New York State, I'm sure it's like that in every state, where they have, you know, strict rules, you have privacy law. I mean, the list goes on. And I mean, I know True. treatment providers can't just say, hey, let's try doing it this way <laughs> without going through a lot of, you know, approvals from up above. And there's just, to me, the frustration has always been, I just, they're like, they're just so far behind. It's like, 
something happens, yeah. something innovative's out, and it's long gone, and it's beginning to be old by the time they even get to it. And that kind of right. just is like my that's that's what my kind of mission and goal is to try to do is just let's just start yeah. telling people stories and how they've been successful and how they've overcome things and let people connect with it. And maybe just I think you got to get them to realize that they're in a fixed mindset in order to ever get them out of it. And that's the biggest challenge of it all is to, you know, how do you get somebody who's in a fixed mindset to realize they're in a fixed mindset? Because if they realize that they wouldn't be in a fixed mindset and, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, no, you know, that's the fun part of it. Yep. Over and yeah. over again. Yeah. And I think, and I think it's interesting because you can see that that's, it's a lot of what the process we're selling to people. We're encouraging that. I see a lot of this, take my advice. I'm not using it sort of paradigm. And, and again, it's a level of, do we have a level of awareness that says here I am in the business of promoting change, but yet I'm still struggling with my own change, with my own evolution, my own willingness to remain teachable. And, and I get that. And you've mentioned it a couple of times. You, you, I think we all start out with this notion of uh, of being wide-eyed and optimists and possibilitarians and and very uh, excited uh, about the process of helping other people and being of service mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thing. And, and that's great. That that continues to be a motivator for a lot of people. And I and I think that's that, that's really we need to focus on the assets that we have, and then we need to look at the things that are getting in our way, because that is the process of human evolution and human transformation. If I don't keep my eye on the idea that I still have things to learn, then I will get to a point of complacency, and then I will get up to a point of stagnation. And I always think in images, so I think of what is a, what is a stagnant pond look like or a stagnant puddle? What does that look like? Is that something that I want to mimic and reflect, you know, no, I don't want to do that. And, and, and we all go through reiterations in life, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. And, and I think when the stakes are as high as something uh, like uh, somebody experiencing addiction uh, and mental illness, um, that we owe it to them, that we owe it to ourselves and to them to go to rooms where we're not the smartest person in the room or get ourselves involved in dialogues with people who are different than we are so that we can maybe for the first time, see things in a different way. That is my job as a custodian of a process, is not to tell people what to think, but to remind them of their ability to think and their mm. ability to adapt and evolve. Um, because that, to me, again, is all I can really do or anybody can really do if we, if we are respecting people's right to self-determine is to just move them quicker along the continuum, right? Not and do that by clearing the path, by being necessarily out in front of them and setting them up for success, by reminding them of their own power. Uh, I always tell people who reach out to me who are struggling, it's like, first and foremost, go get your power back. And they're like, well, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, <laughs> as a process of evolution, we, we go around uh, giving our power to people, places, and things because we think that's the process of connection. And the process of connection is respecting necessarily our own individual assets, not just focusing on our, our defects, if you will, but understanding that, that I have something to give always, that I, I don't have to go to other places to get things. The process of discovery is really that, what I call going in and mining within me, because things are necessarily buried under things, like those, things, those childhood experiences, right? And so I go in and I excavate it's a process of excavation and you got to get your hands dirty and you got to you got to use some of your strengths to move things around and move them off of where all the good stuff is and we all have that and and so this process of evolution or updating our software is not something we do externally but we do internally with the help of people who know how to go there in a way that is setting you up for long-term success not just a fix in the meantime um, which is what drugs and alcohol were and are for people are sort of short-term fixes, right? I need to deal with this pain now, and here's a very efficient way to do it, yep. you know, to deal with it. So here's the other, here's the other, here's the alter alternative universe where we can do the same process, but we do it in a different way using different tools. Because of, that's what I always think about. I always think about like, I went from one fellowship here to the same fellowship over here. We're just doing life in a different way because they're the same people. There are people who don't judge, don't shame and don't blame. They're just happen, happen to be still using these maladaptive coping strategies, but they're amazing people, you know, and here we are over here still trying to do life, still dealing with our, our, our trials and tribulations, but we're, we're doing it in a different way with different tools. 
And so the commonality is that it's just the human experience. You know, these people over here aren't zombies. They don't, it's not about demons. It's, it's about the same thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's about life. It's about pain. It's about, it, and, and, and I think that's going back to the humanification of addiction means, okay, yes, I understand. These are very compelling symptoms and behaviors. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had me hoodwinked for a long time. They took my emotional bandwidth. They had me totally distracted. But I know in order to really move this forward, I've got to look past those things. And that's part of the learning the skills to be in relationship with somebody who's not doing what you want them to do, is how to navigate that landscape. And that's what we get to teach people. Because it's kind of like teach them how to fish. Don't give them one. You know what I mean? That yep, whole thing. Yep. That's, that's the process of recovery. It's not imposing my values and imposing my process and imposing all these things. It's respecting that we each individually uh, get to be respected for our right to self-determine and our style gets to be respected. And from a cultural standpoint, we're, we're not really good at that too. That's another thing we get to be better at, right, is addressing culture when we're talking about uh, providing services and support it's really just getting human again you know it's, it's 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 breaking it down you know it's building bridges not or building connection not just continuing to rely on more direction for mm -hmm. people because they, we necessarily reject that because you're not either speaking my language or i've heard it before it's not what i'm i i don't know how to do it that way <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> you know and so again effective efficient Delivery of services and support is about respect and people's right to self-determine. And I have to be in good shape to be able to do that as, as, a, as a custodian. If I'm not and I'm just pushing my agenda, then we're not really helping people in the most efficient way, are we? No, we are not. And yeah, that's what, I mean, it just always for me comes down to it because it's so hard not to get with somebody and say this worked for me so it can work for you and do it exactly how I did it that's what yeah. you know I know AA and NA and they have saved some people's lives and I'll never mm. never question or debate that but that's what was my immediate turnoff um, when I yeah. stepped into a couple of those groups I'm like I can't, can't. I don't know if it's because you know, I grew up in a Christian church and then left that, you know, so, later on. And so I've just, I've been so beaten down with dogma and kind of that clutter and organizational kind of, you do it this way, this is it. That was my biggest thing is like, we're just kind of going back to it again. We're so different and every individual is so different. And to say that you have the answer for them and try to put that on them is BS, you know, essentially. Yeah. And, and it's totally understandable too, Sean, because we, Again, if you understand human behavior, there's this intense desire for cognitive closure, for this notion of, you know, ha having the experience of something and wanting to put it behind you. And if somebody yeah. can give you a template and you, and you happen to be susceptible to that template and it works for you, then that's amazing. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about it's holding space means here are the tools to build a box, build the one that fits you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And somebody may end up building a box that is very similar in dogma and in process and in, and, and in culture that looks exactly like AA, NA, or NEA. But we, we get to, as custodians, know that that's not going to be everyone's truth. Mm -hmm. So again, teach a man to fish. So here, I, I, I just, I feel like I think in images and I think, here's your toolbox. I want to give them a real toolbox and I want to give them real wood, you know, and I want them to have this aesthetic or this kinetic experience of creating something, right? That is them, a reflection of them. And, and, and some treatment centers do that, which is in a beautiful way, including uh, rock to recovery and, and things like that, where people go in and they write a song. I mean, that's so powerful because it's another way to express your, like you were saying, your individuality, your uniqueness, your view of the world. I always say it's the Tim show, one of seven and a half billion, <laughs> right? There's, there's that many shows going on. No one, no one lens is exactly the same as the other. And that is so important in terms of just building, you know, loving, healthy connection. If that's just, if, if that's just your jam is to connect with other people or and it is as well as your jam is to connect with people who are struggling and need support in a particular way because of a particular struggle. I think, I think the recipe gets to be the same. And we have thousands of years of, of evidence and proof that holding the space for somebody is that much more effective from an integrated standpoint. And that means the lens says that you're many different parts 
and I respect all those parts. And I know that those parts make up the whole and respecting you as somebody who needs to sort of integrate those parts uh, because you are, all of them are important to you as a person is respecting the individuality of those parts, mind, body, relationship, and environment and how you function in those different spaces. And, and the other truth is that it doesn't take a lot of money and finance to function optimally. And I think optimization is also a really important word that we get to talk about uh, because there is this notion of perfection that infiltrates uh, our lives uh, and particularly in recovery uh, as the narrative is very much, although it doesn't say so, it, there's this black and white thinking that you mentioned earlier about abstinence only. Abstinence is the, is the data point or the binary explanation of what success looks like for somebody who is going from the experience of addiction to the experience of, uh, of recovery or discovery or whatever you want to call it. And what that looks like is very binary. And again, that becomes exclusive and people don't fit into that. So we get to adjust to that as people delivering services and support, right? And I think that's our challenge going forward is to expand the definition that we have of the process and how we define recovery as an individual definition, not as a collective. Not as a collective. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've seen it, you know, one too many times where in an Oxford house, somebody slipped up, had a couple beers, got caught, got kicked out, relapsed, said F it. And now I'm going back at it hard. And, you know, I've seen people die from that. I've seen people in the hospital and that always just made me scratch my head. Like, you know, we put this emphasis on words essentially is what they are clean time and you know stuff like that and yeah. it's yeah. just i guess where i want to take this as we're towards the end here because i feel like we yeah. could go on for 20 hours here talking <laughs> <laughs> i'm um, down <laughs> you know oh me, me too i don't know how many people will listen to us talk for five hours but we can do it without uh, you, know. you know and <laughs> i could chop it up into different episodes or, sure, or we can sure. just have a conversation that'd be great too but i love it yeah, you know, for me, I've been you know rattling a few different ideas in my head recently, anyway. And one of them is obviously people who are you know running away with drugs and alcohol, escaping, you know, hiding. You know, you you look around and you see more than three quarters of the world is doing this. Maybe not with drugs, but with materialism and Netflix or whatever mm -hmm. it is, social media. And you know, and what was that? You know, I'm kind of going on this journey and. I'm trying to think of the Carl Jung quote where he just talks about basically people aren't going to want to do any of this because going inwards is the most difficult thing you can do. You got to go through that, the, the shittiness, the darkness, the pain, the suffering. And that is not easy. One of my favorite little Zen quotes is, if, is um, if enlightenment was easy, everybody would tell their brother. And it's just such a simple you know, little quote, but Beautiful. it's just like, you know, it's so true because if this was easy to, you know, get clean and essentially what we're talking about recovery is really working on yourself and working on your trauma and your, the pain and everything else and trying to mm -hmm. establish connection and meaning in your life that were so easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would, would be at the point where they want to be at and be living a great life and not struggling with any anxieties or worries. And, you know, one mm -hmm. of my, my biggest missions, one of my biggest things is to really try to get people to just muster up the, the courage and the bravery to be vulnerable and to be willing to go in deeper inside their own individuality and just face it and find the beauty in it. That has been one of my things since from my brother and sister dying to my divorce to, you know, just all the things that I've gone yeah. through in my life. Um, it's just, oh, there's something so strangely beautiful about it. It's not something where you're like, oh, I can't wait to, till something bad happens to me. I mean, you're never like that, obviously. But there's something so beautiful about weeping and suffering and the pain and the struggle. And maybe it's the overcoming. Well, you're giving me the chills. You're, you're giving me the chills, <laughs> But there, And that's there kind that. of like my, my main bit is just like, let's just start embracing it. Because I remember I watched this. I can, I've tried to search the name of the movie all over the internet. I cannot figure it out what the name of this movie was. When Netflix first started coming out, there was this movie on there I watched, and it was kind of based in the future where there was no pain, no suffering, no negative wow. thinking, no anything. And the drug dealers in this world sold pills so people could feel pain. People could feel, you know, suffering, emotional pain, you know, physical pain, and they would sell these drugs wow. because people were going crazy with just being happy all the time. And that made me really, like, think like just oh how it's goodness. just two sides of the same coin and you need it in order to feel 
the beauty and the, the, the greatness of existence. A hundred percent. And I love, I love that story because when I, when I coach people and, and people that have coached me, my heroes and, and people that I still read and that are constantly influencing me and changing my mind, that's my favorite thing in the world as part of my journey, two sides of the same coin was to change my mind. That's what mm-hmm. I was doing with drugs and alcohol and relationship and rage and, you know, all those, all those iterations of, uh, coping mechanisms, right. Um, is what, what has occurred to me is that this isn't about capability. This isn't about human capability because you and I both have seen and the world has seen how incredibly strong, how resilient the human spirit is, right? Mm-hmm. Part of our, our culture to celebrate that. And I think an important narrative is to remember that every human being is capable of the stories that end up making it at, at the macro level, right? Those television programs, those movies, those stories, the hero's journey, uh, which is in every single uh, program we watch on some level is this notion of overcoming and resilience and inner strength. And it isn't about capability. So it's about, it's about choice. And when you say things like, my mission is to help people find the courage or to, or to experience going through the pain and the, and the suffering and the, and the discomfort. It always comes down to choice. That's also uniquely human, our adaptability, right? That's two sides of the same coin. It's the good news and the bad news. <laughs> <laughs> We're adaptable, right? Yeah. This way or that way, mm-hmm. you know, we can go those ways. So, for me, when I talk to people, I'm, again, it's just get your power back. It's to remind yourself that what is intrinsically human is adaptability, inner strength, and resilience. This core, this core ability, this core skill or core awareness that's, again, buried under things. So the process of getting to that courage is to know that in context is that you came to this, to this world. You were born with those things. And so the process of life is the discovery or the recovery, the remembering of true self, right? That's the process. Mm -hmm. There is something in you and in me that is capable of navigating those very, very difficult landscapes that end up becoming the most important things that we've ever experienced. Um, In the Zen tradition, they call it the benevolent darkness, right? From the darkness comes the light right? So when we think of in our, in our dominant social narrative, the narrative is here's a pill, you're struggling, here's a pill, get, you know, let's cover it up. Um, Here's the experience of divorce, cover it up. Here's the experience of whatever it is, cover it up. So we're being taught that that is the process. That is how we do it. Somebody died, cover it up. Or somebody is you're going to die. Don't think about that. <laughs> well, we, we definitely don't think or talk about that. <laughs> that That's a whole nother. And, that, and think about the opportunity of that, of opening that. There's these things. You can look this up. They're called death cafes. It's amazing. They're bringing the notion of talking about this outwardly, which other cultures already do. Right? We're, we're sort of yeah. late to the party. Again, you know, and, and I think it's important to talk about in context in terms of where we are on the evolutionary scale or on the maturity scale. I would say that we're necessarily a very, uh, we're, we're in an adolescent phase here in the 240 year history of our country in particular. And so, and so we get to think about that because context is king, right? It provides some clarity and can also provide some inspiration and motivation. If we can know where we are, we can get to where we want to go, but we have to be very clear and honest about where we are. And if we give it the context in a reframe that we can understand necessarily, we might be able to find some, uh, some, uh, some possibilities, some hope to doing what you're suggesting and what I'm suggesting. And that is embrace it. Just yep. take it, take that thing that is stinky and disgusting and that I just absolutely don't approve of that I wish didn't happen <laughs> and just take it and like, Oh, like push it into yourself, like integrate. Right. 
And, and to me, that gives me the chills because I've done it and I know the return on investment. I know what it feels like. And that is, again, going back to maybe sum this whole thing up in terms of the, through the lens of addiction, is that when I talk to people, I say, welcome to the greatest opportunity of your life. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're the opportunity. And they're like, what are you talking about? I feel like punching you in the face. Like <laughs> this hurts. This is painful. Let's, can we talk about this in a different way? Sort of the, the way they've been talking about it, which hasn't gotten them any return necessarily, um, is that this is the opportunity of a lifetime to innovate. Cause we're talking about, again, sort of a core idea is innovation. Anytime something happens to me, that's challenging. I, I hear the universe go say, Here's your opportunity to innovate, Tim, and you're totally capable of doing it. What's your choice? Mm. Absolutely. That's I wrote a I wrote a blog, probably one of my favorite blogs out of the few that I've written, and it was called My Paradoxical Addiction. Because Love I it. I talked about that whole thing. Like I stole, I lied, I you know, manipulated people I love, people who love me. You know, I stole from my girlfriend's kids. I stole my dead brother and sister jewelry from my parents and pawned it. I mean, terrible, crazy things. And mm. if it weren't for those things, I wouldn't be who I am becoming today. And it's just That's such right. a you know a paradox in your head when you can open and learn from all the pain and the mistakes you've made, whether you've caused them, whether somebody else did them to you. It doesn't matter. Those are lessons and moments for you to learn. And if you can do that, and do you know grab that and grow from it it makes you this incredible and you'll never ever look back with them at regret or shame or anything because you have no reason to ever apologize for those things you do i mean you want to apologize to people you lie to but you know what i mean in that sense of no carrying that guilt and shame 100 percent. It's, it's part of you know we think a lot alike there's a lot of synergy here and and that is is that you know, you and I sit where we sit. Um, we got here incredibly honestly, and I don't mean honestly in the terms of we told the truth, but everything mattered. Nothing mm -hmm. was wasted. Nothing. You, you can look, again, this is the Tim show. So was there a period of time when I looked at it differently? Yes. Therein lies the opportunity. Change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. Beautiful. This is Perception is nine-tenths of the law. That's the way I yep. look at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> So as, as we sit with people, it's reminding them of, again, it's not that you're incapable of changing the way you look at things. It's not that you're incapable of seeing the world differently. This is, this is again, this is our gift. And so what I would say to people is remember your gifts. Remember everything that you came with in the package, you know, when you, when you, when you came, when you were born of this earth. Remember that. That's the journey. The journey is back to remembering back to self, true nature, consciousness, awareness. That is the journey. I can't think of any other reason we're here when you look at our lives in context, because there is no conspiracy. <laughs> and I lived that way. I lived that way. Like I was totally convinced there was a conspiracy. <laughs> and it turns out there was, but it was in my favor. And so again, that's perception, right? So everything that happened to me was literally on my way, not in my way. That is that is great, yeah. And, you know, Tim, I wa want to do this again with you. I think we should... Uh, I want to, too. Sean. Absolutely um, run that through. I, You know, any kind of last thoughts or words? And also, you know, wh where do you want people to get a hold of you, find out what you do? I don't know, your blogs, your websites. Yeah. You know, yeah. give that. Obviously, I'll get that from you and put it in the, the bio of the episode when I release it. But, you know... Kind of final thoughts for people and, you know. Yeah, yeah. final thoughts are the same thoughts that I have on a daily basis. And that is, is that every day I wake up and my eyes open, the universe whispers in my ear, how are you going to innovate, Tim? Because there's necessarily going to be continuing existing changes or challenges, I should say. And there are also going to be new ones. So I get to be on point in recognition of my 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 talents, my skills, my abilities um, that are unique to me and then ones that aren't. And that is, is just that I have the ability to always change the way I look at things. I, I can do that, that work. So they work in my favor. And 
That's what I want to wake up and do because that makes me most effective in my relationships, in my colleagues, my kids, my wife, my family. And I want to, as I go out of this world, I want to be the most present person I can be so that I can be there for people who need just a reflection back that they can do this, that they have a choice, that they're adaptable, that they are uniquely de designed to navigate the challenges in their life and the pain in their life. They can do it. Um, and, and there is hope, you know, there's always hope. Never, never, ever give up. That's awesome. And there's something so amazing. And, you know, I think you, you probably agree. That's just it, very ineffable to explain what it feels like when you can like just embrace and love and oh, keep your eyes open while you're on the ground. And I always tell people do two things. There's only two things I could ever tell people when they're going through something real crappy is to a, don't forget to weep. And two, just while you're weeping, while you're on the ground weeping, do the best you can to lift your head up and learn something. And oh. you know, that's the only advice people said the most dumb things oh. to me when my brother and sister died. And oh. I have learned to keep my Man. mouth closed and say that. And only that. And amen, brother. Yep. Amen. Sean. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank it's you for been very uh, inspiring. <laughs> uh, I agree. I agree. Um, how, what's, uh, how do you want people to get in touch with you? I don't know. Oh, yeah. So go to my website, sustainablerecovery.net, and that'll take you wherever you need to go and give you some background on me. And, you know, I'm just one of those people that's, you know, have, has learned that I'm a conduit. So call me. There's no commitment. It's just, let's have a conversation and talk. If I can help you, I will. And I will in one way or the other, I'm a great resource. I, I focus and practice on being somebody who is one mile wide, but 10 miles deep. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. All right, Tim, it was awesome meeting you. I will absolutely stay in touch with you here and get you, Thank you Sean. the information. Thank you for everything you do as well. Appreciate awesome. You. Yeah. Awesome. Same here. All right. Talk soon. Yep. Bye. Bye.